Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations, a podcast exploring the cool Christian girl's guide to living in America. I'm your girl, April Davenport. I'll reveal to you a little personal testimony while merging ministry, education, and real life. We will also discuss current events with relevant figures of our time. It is the perfect blend of headline news, black girl magic, and of course, Jesus juice. Come with me on a journey you won't soon forget. So stay tuned, don't change the channel, and let's take a ride. Welcome to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. I'm your host, April Davenport. I am so excited that I am back together with you. We know that we took a small hiatus. We never know how life is going to happen. Things happened in my family. Some things happened in other people's families, but that's okay. We're still riding the waves of the summertime. It's still a fresh start summer, and we are still on a fresh you journey. I'm so excited that God is still with us. God is still keeping us, and God is still keeping you, my army. And I am especially excited today because I have with me my friend, my sister, my soror, Miss Sharina Edwards, and she is all the way in the Windy City in Chi-Town. And I'm here in Atlanta, but thank God for technology. Thank God for the airwaves that she can be in Chi-Town and I can be here in the ATL, but we can still be together. So Sharina, I'm so glad to have you here on the show. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, April. It is so good to be with you. I'm wonderful. I cannot complain. It's a great day and it's a fresh start. Yes, it is a fresh start Tuesday. I'm so glad to uh, have you here with me on the show. You know what? There are just some people that instantly when you meet them, you build an instant connection with them, an instant soul connection. And that is how Sharina was with me when we met each other. First of all, we are sororers, so that was the instant connection. Second of all, we are sisters in Christ, so that was the soul connection. But then there was another connection that we have. And so I'm so excited that you know, when she and I met, uh, there was just something about her that I felt like our spirits connected. And ever since then, I feel like I've known her way longer than time has told the story. And um, I'm just so excited to get to know her today, for you all to get to know her and for her to be able to share some nuggets. Well, Sharina, I know that I could tell your story, but you could tell your story so much better than I can. So before we get into the show today, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So um, just a quick run through of life, I guess, personally and professionally. Um, I was actually born, a lot of people are surprised by this, but I was born in Manchester, England. And that was because my grandparents um, on both sides were from Jamaica. They migrated to England and had their families there. And so my sister and I were both born um, in England. I lived there until I was seven when my parents moved to New York for a job opportunity for my father and grew up on Long Island, New York and stayed there until, you know, it was time to go to college. And I think the best, um, the foundation of, I think of a lot of who I am and my successes um, started at Spelman College. And so for me, the chapter really got really bold and deep there. Um, I attended Spelman. I am such a big fan of Spelman, such a proud Spelman alumna and appreciate that that is an institution that continues to cultivate and nurture um, African-American women and um, excited about everything that the, the school does. After I left Spelman, I went to Howard University School of Law. So I am an attorney by training and practiced law for about, um, I'll say four and a half years. And at that time I was appointed by the governor of Illinois, um, who at the time was Pat Quinn, to a position called the Illinois Commerce Commission. And I was the commissioner of that um, agency. 
And that agency regulates all of the utilities and energy in the state. At the time I was appointed, I was the youngest um, ever appointed in the history of the state. And that was a big thing for not just the state, but, but really for the nation, because what happens is there's a regulatory commission of this type in every state, and we all come together and work together on local, state, and um, federal issues. And so I spent a lot of time doing a lot of work, um, you know, testifying, you know, I've testified before Congress. I did a lot of work on the national level. Um, by the time I finished that five-year term, I'd been to six out of the seven continents and spoken. I served as an Eisenhower fellow. And my greatest honor was being appointed by President Barack Obama to um, co-chair a working group on um, safety and pipeline, uh, specifically pipeline safety. So when I finished that five-year term in 2018, I went back to private practice where I was heading a um, energy practice at a large law firm and was there for a few years before being appointed to president and CEO of Intran, uh, my current company. And Intran is a utility infrastructure company. We are about a uh, about $750 million company with about 2,500 employees. Uh, we build and develop transmission. And so to break it down a little bit, it's when you go outside and you look up and you see what transmits your electricity or basically what gets it to your house. Um, we build that, we maintain it, we restore it. And oftentimes when there's a power outage, and you're down in, let's say, Atlanta, April, and you're calling Georgia Power saying, hey, my power is out. They say, okay, we'll fix it. Well, you think it's them fixing it. Well, they're calling us and saying, we have 100,000 people out of power, fix it. And so that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And so we were recently acquired uh, by a um, Fortune 500 publicly traded company last year called Tech. And I'm actually stepping into a new role, um, chief strategy officer of the entire corporation. So I'll be um, kind of developing the organizational growth and operational strategy for the entire company. We have about um, 25,000 employees as a whole, and um, it's about a um, $12 billion company, so fairly large. So that's my professional path and journey. And I'll say most importantly, I do wear a lot of hats as you can tell, um, but most importantly, my, my favorite hats are certainly that of being mommy and wife. I have a four-year-old daughter, Mackenzie, who is just um, the life of the party. She has a ton of energy and more than me these days. Mm -hmm. And my husband, uh, Michael Edwards, is just, he's a, you know the king of my house and just an amazing person. I truly feel blessed that I met him um, about 10 years ago. So I am excited to be chatting with you today, April. I hope that we can have some really good deep dialogue and that we can reach your, your listeners. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think you've already reached them uh, with the amazing journey that God has blessed you to have in such a short amount of time, um, because it's not like you're sitting here at 80 and you've gone through what the Lord has blessed you to do. And so I know that uh, you, of course, being deep in your faith, know that the Lord has blessed you to do all that you've already accomplished, uh, being wife, being mother, um, being sister, but to have been able to accomplish all that you have on the professional track, um, certainly know that the hand of God has been upon you. Um, and so this season, uh, Shirena, we've been on a journey really to kind of change ourselves, to really challenge ourselves and to champion ourselves. And we know that in doing that, you know, I think that it really kind of takes uh, a reflective lens to be able to look backwards, to really kind of channel where we are today in order to be able to forge ahead. And so in doing so, we've, we've discussed a number of things. And one of those things is when I really begin to think about success, um, you know, we can kind of think about the world's definition of success. 
But then I like to be able to really understand that honestly, success really has to be kind of defined on an individual basis, right? Because you just kind of really gave us a nutshell of your story, um, right? But other people have also been successful. But I think that sometimes we can really get hung up on really thinking that if I haven't done all of the things that someone else has done, then maybe I'm not successful or I'm not as successful as someone else. So how do you think that one can begin to really define success on an individual basis? And when did you really begin to understand that you weren't in competition with anyone else? You know, the first thing I will say to answer your question is that success is certainly in the eye of the beholder. And I think that we have to start realizing, and I think it's unfortunate because social media and just the world in which we live has made it so difficult to be in your own swim lane and be content with your speed and your precision and all of those things. But you have to decide what is it for you that will determine you being happy? What is right. it for you that will determine you feeling joy in your soul, in your heart, in your spirit? What for you will, will give you peace? Because what makes, you know, sad Sally May um, content and feel good about herself may not work for you. And so right. I think the moment when you realize, okay, what is success for me? How do I define success? How do I define me feeling like, okay, I can pat myself on the back. I did good. How do you find that? And then, and then how do you reach that? Mm-hmm. And the second thing I think for me, when did I feel like I wasn't in competition with anyone else? Something that's really important to me, April, and I say it all the time. And I really, it was um, embedded in me really as I was raised that no matter, I remember my mother saying to me, no matter how many degrees you have or how much money you make or what car you have, where you live, unless you've turned around and helped one or two other people get not where you are, but higher than you are not successful. Mm. And so I have always been intent about building that pipeline. I've always been intent about sending the elevator back down, reaching down and pulling people up, not to where I am, but how can I bring them higher than where I am? Mm. How can I shatter the glass ceiling so that they don't have to do it? How can I jump over this hurdle so that it's clear when they come, right? And that for me is success. And so at that moment where I felt like I could start helping other people, I was in a position to be able to do that. That's when I realized, okay, this is what it is. This is success for me. And I don't have to worry about what other people are doing because this is what I've defined as success. You know, I think that's really pivotal because honestly, you know, we can really look around us and notice that many people don't believe that they don't really get to that level of understanding because they constantly feel if they help someone that they are almost hindering their own success, their own journey, right? And I know that with, you know, some of the things that you've been able to accomplish, you had to have encountered some persons like that, right? Where they felt as if, if they helped you, they were hindering themselves, right? So how were you able to encounter those persons, but still be able to maintain that spirit that you said that your mother embedded in you to know, you know what, I'm not going to fall in that same trap. I'm not going to become like that person. I'm still going to maintain who I know I am, who I know I've been raised to be, because you were so determined to understand that something like you said, I know what my definition of success is, and I need to keep to that same definition. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very real thing of what you're saying that people feel like that 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 development of others will create a hindrance from themselves because I've heard people say it, right? I've heard people say, well, I can't worry about that one. I have to just worry about me. I'm not helping them, especially Black women. And I hate to say it because right. um, we tend to have, and again, it's a society. Society has done this to us. Society has made us think there's only room for one. 
right? right. There's only room right. for that one. And that one is a token and that is it. And so why would you help anybody else? That person then becomes your competition. And it's just so not the case. It is really not. And as we both know, you know, God, he gives us, he gives to us that we can give to others. Right. And so to me, it is just, it is your it is your God-given right. It's not something that you should think twice about or you should consider. It is a mandate that you are assisting other people. And I think to your point about me having others, unequivocally, first and foremost, God's hand was in everything, first and foremost. But of course, the people that have been in my life that have certainly um, helped me ascend to the level in which I am, all the time I call people, even now, and I say, hey, I need to pick your brain. And these are people, and I, I'll talk about this because this is something that I think is pivotal for anybody to be successful, no matter what it is that you do, to have three types of people in your life. And I um, coin them as coaches, mentors, and sponsors. And mm-hmm. I feel like everybody knows about mentors, but sometimes coaches and sponsors get left out. Okay. And coaches, I always talk about that being the peer, being the person who it could be your friend at work or it could be your girlfriend outside of work, but that's the person that you can say, hey, this is what happened to me today. I'm writing this email to my boss and they read it and they say, don't send that email, right? Mm-hmm. They tell you it's going to be okay. They say, they listen to everything so you can get it out to them. And then you tell them, okay, fine, start a new day tomorrow. I have a fresh start tomorrow. That's right, a coach. Right. A coach speaks with you. Now there's a mentor and that's one that we're most familiar with. And a mentor speaks to you. They provide you with guidance. They help you kind of develop your architectural footprint for your career. They can be in or outside of your organization, but they more so than anything, listen, they listen to what it is that you want and help you help direct your path. That's what a mentor. So a coach speaks with you. A mentor speaks to you. And I also say that black women that will mentor you to death, right? We collect mentors like we collect lipstick. We have 99 mentors. And then we're wondering, well, why can't I move up just one level higher? I have all these mentors that I'm talking to. Well, the key thing that's missing and that most people forget, particularly Black women, because we just haven't been in these spaces for years and years like many others have, or have the access like many others have, is a sponsor. So remember, a coach speaks with you, a mentor speaks to you, but the sponsor, most importantly, speaks about you because you're not in the room and don't have the influence or authority to speak about yourself, but they are using their voice, their political capital, their authority to vouch for you, to push you and to say, I want to see her here and you get there. And that is a sponsor. Mm. They speak about you. And those three types of things, you can't have one without the other. You need all three. And I've had all three of those things, all three of those types of people in my life advocating for me, pushing me, telling me. It's going to be okay. Helping dust me off when I've fallen, because of course I have, I have fallen and I've failed and you need to right. do that to be successful. Right. And those are, um, those are the types of people that you need in your life. And because you have those types of people, you instantly know. And I'm, I, when I mentor others, I say, let me tell you something, especially my Spellman. I was with a few of my Spellman sisters who were in Atlanta, this, who were in Chicago this weekend. And I said, you make sure that you do this I expect this of you in 10 years. I expect you to be doing the same exact thing that I am for somebody else who just graduated, mm-hmm. right? You have to turn around and you have to give it back, plant those seeds back. Wow. You know, I think that that is like, honestly, such valuable information because you're right. Um, I think a lot of people, they develop the coaches very easily because, you know, camaraderie is natural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we get to a place, uh, when we get to an environment, 
you know, human relationships are natural. In the Bible, the Lord created human relationships. I just spoke to my women's ministry a couple of weeks ago about sisterhood, about friendships. Those relationships are natural. So we gravitate towards really finding someone who is going to be on our level. Um, but, you know, even sometimes people have difficulty getting the mentors because they don't always want to hear what they don't want to hear. Um, but I think the sponsors is what people probably have difficulty the most. Um, and so if you were to try to help someone, if someone was listening and they wanted to know, well, how do I really know, you know, who should be my mentor? How do I, you know, get this mentor or how do I even really get to the point where I know who should be my sponsor or who is the person who will be my sponsor? Because it's not that you can just walk up and say, hey, I really need an advocate. Um, so how would you tell someone, how do they build these relationships knowing that they really need it, but they don't know how to go about it. Right. You know, there's a lot of different thought when it comes to um, mentorship and, and even sponsorship. And people ask me all the time, how do I get a mentor? How do I get a sponsor? Specifically, they ask how they get a sponsor because mentoring, sometimes I think people tend to gravitate right to who is similar to them. But what I always say, particularly for sponsorship, and I'll circle back to mentorship in just a moment, but sponsors, you don't find them, they find you. And they find you by you executing, you doing, going above and beyond and being brilliant. And they, everybody that I have sponsored has been because they have been performing exceedingly um, abundantly well. And I have been wowed, honestly, beyond belief, because I haven't asked them to do that. And they didn't even know that I was seeking for any attention from them. Right, so right. what's, what's, and I have sayings, um, April, I live by sayings. And so one of the things that I always say <laughs> One of the things I always say is dance um, when you think no one is watching. Right. I promise you every personal and professional accolade I have ever received in life is because I was performing when, and not only performing, but I was executing at 110% when I had no idea if anybody was watching. My appointment to the Illinois Commerce Commission, where I was the youngest commissioner appointed in the state, um, I had no idea that someone was watching me work at my law firm and was and said to the governor, she is brilliant. She is who you need. And the governor said, well, she doesn't have the experience and she doesn't, it doesn't matter. She's a quick study. She will learn it. She is passionate. She is brilliant and she is hardworking more than anything. And, and that person advocated for me. And I had no idea this person was even, I mean, I, when I tell you we're in such a far away tangential position to each other, I had no idea ever that this would, you know, would be someone that would be advocating for me. And so you know, my my role at Intran, everything, every every position, every role, the, the boards of directors that I serve on, um, those things have all come from people who've been watching me that I didn't know that they were. And so I always say you should be executing um, to your fullest when you think no one is watching. Don't just wait for someone to have their eyes on you and then you start right. doing, you know, your jazz hands right, and your right. big happy dance. You need to be doing that all the time and even more so uh, when really you think no one is looking at you at all. And um, that that is critical to me and how you gain sponsorship, because I'm telling you, the people who throw themselves at my feet, I, I, you know, I see them, but that is not what makes me want to sponsor them. It is those people who are grinding and they're not doing it for my attention. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you're saying, you know, servant excellence. Yes. Do what you've been called to do and the sponsor will find you. Maybe. Absolutely. I guarantee it. Now for mentorship. So another thing about mentoring is that we tend to want to, and I think that's why particularly we as black women have so many, we tend to want to gravitate to people who look like us. We walk into a cocktail reception or a networking um, event and we're like, okay, 
there's a hundred people in this room. There are three black women. I'm going to walk over to the three black women, right? Because you just feel the synergy. You feel the energy. You want to have your black girl magic moment and you feel the comfort more, more than anything. Right, right, right. But I encourage you and I strongly suggest that you find the person who is least like you. Yeah. Those are going to be the people who are really going to make waves. Those are going to be the people who are really going to part seas and open doors um, and, and move elevators for you because they likely have connections that you don't have already. More often than not, when you're going to people who are like you, you know, we have common circles and common, um, you know, ideals and common principles and common networks. You want to expand that. So I, it's nothing wrong, obviously, with having a mentor. And you should. You should have a mentor who's a, you know, somebody that looks like you, whether if you're a white woman or a black woman or, mm -hmm. but you should make it your business to have more that are not like you than are. Right. I agree with that. It's so funny. One of my uh, little cousins, she went to an overnight camp uh, last week and uh, she was describing her experience and she kept talking about this one young lady um, and their names were similar and their hair was similar. And uh, she says, I just really felt a connection with her. And I said, well, was it because she was black? And so she said, yeah, I think so. And I said, well, did you not talk to anyone else? And she says, not really. And I said, well, remember, I asked you to go with an open mind. And I said, because the world is so big. And there are just so many different types of people. And I think that that's sometimes is what you mentioned. Um, you know, we fail to understand and we don't know where we're going to land. And that's the thing. We have no idea where we're going to land. Even the choices that we make, you know, we don't want to stay there. Those choices that we make, they may lead us somewhere else. And so we need to be able to have the experience and the uh, wherewithal to be able to even perform in those environments. And so um, having a mentor that you said, who is least like you can come with that knowledge base to be able to help us to survive in those environments. So I know that you mentioned the coaches, the mentors, the sponsors, those being valuable tools that have helped you along your journey. What other tools do you feel like were instrumental in helping you to climb along your journey and not just climb but when you felt like you fell off the ladder right what tools do you think helped you to say okay I've fallen but I need to get back up and keep climbing because we do understand that along our journeys to success the losses are just as valuable, if not more than valuable than sometimes than our wins, because we learn in our losses. So first and foremost, it, it's unequivocally my faith. And unlike a lot of other people, April, like yourself and, and many other um, friends that we share and, and people just that we both know individually, um, I did not really have a deep rooted faithful upbringing, right? I, we went to church, um, every Sunday, like even when we lived in England, my um, grandfather was the deacon of the church. It was like a really big deal. And my Nana was the secretary of the church. And we were, but we were there all day, April, like all day. We'd go <laughs> like 8 a.m. and we would be there until maybe three. We would go home, eat dinner, and then we'd come back at like six and we'd be there until nine. It was horrible. <laughs> and then we moved <laughs> to New York and I was like, finally, I'm getting away from this. And then my um, father's mother lived, it moved, had moved to New York as well. And I was like, she didn't take long before she had us right back in that same routine, but in New York. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. <laughs> and so I kind of had this, um, you know, this just bitter um, affinity with church right when I was growing up. And so I, I went to college and I was like, oh my God, like I'm free. So I think most of like first semester, it was very interesting because 
when I got to Spelman, I was around so many other women in my class who were just like so faithful. And they were like, we're, we have to go. One of the first things they said is, okay, we have to go to church. It was always like, okay, we're going to go out. This is our, we'd have our lineup for the weekend. Like we may go out on Friday. We're going to do something on Saturday, but we're going to church on Sunday. And then we go to like brunch after on, or, or one of my, um, one of our hallmates, moms lived in Atlanta. So she would always like have us over for brunch. It was great, but everything was like built around church. And sometimes right. we go to sister's chapel and we would do like a service there. And I was just like, this is fascinating. Like this is just, <laughs> and it really gave me a different view of, of my relationship with God. And so I, I attended faithfully Ray of Hope um, oh, church in Atlanta. And I love Dr. Cynthia Hale. I, yeah. I love her. I, I wish I could tell her one. Hope, hopefully I get to see her one day and I could tell her how much she changed my um, spiritual outlook and, and my oh, relationship with God. But um, it was freshman year, I remember she was preaching and I was like, I was literally like, huh? like she just was yeah. all the words. She was saying the right things, you know, you know, when they're really talking to you and I, and I'm looking around and like, she's talking to me. And I'm like, no, she's talking to me. She can't be right, talking right. to all of us. And that was my moment. And that's when I realized no matter what happens in life, God orchestrates it. He orders it. He brings you the storms that he can bring you right harmony after that. He brings yeah. you the problems that he can bring you the peace after that. And every time, you know, that I failed, it was for me, my faith that I had really built upon at my time at Spelman. It was that, that really kind of was the first thing to kind of pick me up. Right. And you have to, and you know, this, obviously you've been through a, a many of things, but you have to really have faith in God to overcome some of the things that some of the cards that we are dealt, particularly, you know, as you're ascending professionally through corporate America and you're the only, right. You're either the youngest or the only, or the only, or the only, and you have to rely on God having your back because there's no one in there's no one else in the room that even looks like you that would even want to have your back because they don't think you should be there. Right. So first and foremost, it's my faith. And I'm sorry to be so long winded about that, but that oh, is no, just so fine. crucial and critical to me. Um, and then April, I have to tell you, it has been my sisters, like the people that have just, you know, I don't know how people and I feel bad for people who kind of go through life and navigate life. And they're like, oh, I'm a loner or I don't really yeah. have friends. And I'm like, what? I don't know where I would be without my sisters. I don't know where I'll be without these women that I can call and say, Hey, y'all, this happened today. Or y'all, I really messed up. This is what I did. What should I do? And just those people that laugh with you, they cry with you, that pray for you, that dance with you at the club, you know, just this multifaceted, amazing relationship. Um, they are truly for me, um, an impetus in my success. And also they keep me very humble, right? They remind me like, when I'm kind of, I think I'm a woman built in humility anyway, but you know, and they will make sure that I am always because <laughs> yeah. you need those people around you, keep your feet on the ground. Right. Um, and certainly, you know, my family, my father passed away when I was in law school, I was in my second year of law school, um, at Howard and, you know, he had a sudden heart attack and he passed away. He was 45 and it was uh, very devastating to us, but, you know, getting past that and getting through that, I should say, getting through it, um, I think I developed an extra set of strength. And then I felt like I developed an extra set of, you know, I kind of saw it like, okay, I have this angel. I, I really believe that he is my angel. He watches over me. He's kind of an extra protectant that I have and sees things before I, um, before I do and helps me block things that shouldn't get to me, you know, um, before I, before they do. So I feel as though I've been through a lot of things, but more than anything, it has been, you know, my faith, my sisters, my, certainly my family and, um, that keeps me kind of, that keeps me going and pushes me. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, 
you know, it's interesting that you talk about uh, kind of like the epiphany that, you, you know, that you had uh, in, in college. And I tell people all of the time, you know, um, college is <clears throat> such a breeding ground um, for uh, growth right um it's just not only training for whatever it is that you're intending to do but i do think that um you know it can definitely be um you know a, a cat a catalyst for whatever is happening to you you know mm -hmm. um as a person um and so for you it was obviously a catalyst for for your faith journey um and also for this journey that you're on um now and so uh you talk about spellman so much right and um how meaningful it was to your life and i know that uh it's still meaningful for you um, because you've been able to reach back um, and then some of the connections that you made. And, you know, one of the things that I mean when I say that, you know, the definition of success is so different for everyone um, because for you, uh, your journey started, I know it started way before Spellman, but um, such an integral part of it was at Spellman. Um, for me, um, obviously, I went to the very opposite of Spelman going to the University of Notre Dame, but I felt like my so much of my journey was very meaningful at the University of Notre Dame. But that's because everybody has to do what's meaningful for them, right? And um, and that's why if you do something trying to mirror someone else, um, it's just not going to work out that way, right? Um, but what tools do you feel like you picked up? at Spelman and then on at Howard that you know for sure you're still implementing today in your life that are helping you to continue to carve your path towards success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was spelling you to death, so <laughs> I'll try to keep this succinct. But um, honestly, the, the prime thing that I learned at Spelman uh, was leadership. Mm -hmm. And that leadership, it does not just mean being the person that tells everybody what to do. Sometimes that leader is a follower. Sometimes that leader is a listener. Sometimes that leader is, uh, and more, more than anything, that leader is servant, right? Because you can have a person that leads, you can have a servant leader, and they are two different things, right? The person who holds a title and the person that's serving with passion and bringing people to a point that they should be um, is a big difference. So I learned that at Spelman. And the biggest thing that I learned at Spelman that I wish I could bottle and hand out to young Black women everywhere because it is so critical is executive presence. And I always talk about executive presence being that thing. It's the difference between walking through a room and letting people know that a room has been walked through. Right. And you learned that. I learned that at Spelman. My line sisters and my closest friends learned that at Spelman. You can, there are so, uh, so many times, April, where I have no idea what someone is talking about. They will never know it. With confidence, I don't care if I have to go to the bathroom and Google it, but they will not know. I do not know what they're talking about. And it is, you know, walking with confidence and not being cocky, walking with confidence, walking with pride, speaking with conviction, speaking with purpose, right? Knowing when not to speak, knowing when to listen, mm -hmm. all of those things bundled together our executive presence. And I say so oftentimes, I was just speaking to some high school students um, at a school here in Chicago. And I was saying to them, let me tell you something. What you know is extremely important, but how you deliver it will get you every time. Mm -hmm. If you have, if I see a resume in front of me and you have, you have an MBA from Harvard, you went to Wharton for undergrad, you have all these things, you are amazingly packaged and you walk into my office for the interview, you can't look me in my eye, you can't shake my hand, you cannot deliver um, a sentence precisely without a question mark on the end of it. You have no executive presence and I can, I have no purpose for you. You know, <laughs> right. I don't matter where, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, you know, so. That nugget 
is something that I learned at Spelman and it truly is just the gift that keeps on giving. Wow. I love that. Um, thank you for the term. I didn't learn it at Spelman, but my uncle did teach it to me. He always told me never leave a room and don't let them know that you've entered it. Um, there you and, go. So I told it, and so my sister used to say, she's always saying, she says, are we supposed to be here? Do you have a ticket for this? Do you have a pass for this? And this is, don't worry, they won't even know it. And so I used to just walk into places as if I was supposed to be there. And then it would turn out people would be asking me questions, right? <laughs> as if I like to be in place. <laughs> And so here's, I never denied it. I would just answer it, right? And I'm just like, I hope I've led them the correct way. And that's still, but that still happens to this day. And you know me, I have a short stature, right? But people just, it's all in the approach. It really mm-hmm. is. Um, and so I love the term executive presence. Thank you. Um, and so, but it is true, honestly. And I think that is really such a very present part of even success, right? If you feel as if you are successful, I think success will come your way, no matter what area of life you're trying to be successful in, not just professionally, right, personally, emotionally, mentally, um, spiritually, you have to already just breed success. And I think that that's an important part of really carving your path. And that's even knowing whether you're um, actively working towards success, whether you're restfully working towards success, knowing when to rest, right? You mentioned um, trying to enjoy your summer, knowing when to be at peace, right? Knowing when to be in the grind, actually working towards success. And, you know, I feel like um, my mother, um, even though she says real estate, but primarily, if you ask my mother what she feels her purpose is in life, she will tell you it is being her husband's wife, and raising her children. And she has been successful at doing that. But that's because she knows what her purpose is and she has done it well. And so, and I so think she's successful so many, because she that was successful, right, at what she has been called to do. And I think so many times there the problem is not that people aren't successful. It's just that they are trying to walk in somebody else's calling. So that's why they feel unsuccessful. You know, um, Sharina, we have seen Black women experiencing a number of strides, right, these past couple of years. Obviously, uh, if we kind of look at the past 10, we know that uh, we have our forever first lady, right, in the person of Michelle Obama. Um, You mentioned uh, the the great historic uh, stride that you have in your own personal life, uh, having served um, with the appointment with President Barack Obama. We have uh, Vice President Harris being the first African-American vice president. Um, And then, of course, now we have Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson, right? All of those wonderful things that Black women have been able to do. But even in that, we know that there is still a great way that Black women still have left to go. I know even yourself uh, probably still experience a number of uh, macro aggressions as well as micro aggressions in a number of boardrooms. So where do you see yourself and what role do you see yourself playing as we look to continue to close the gap that Black women still have uh, to go? And not just really when you look at Black women versus kind of the rest of the world, but even Black women within uh, kind of the Black community itself. You know, I think still, yes, there have been a lot of strides, but not enough, right? Right. We are still centuries behind others. And while I think these are exciting and you want to be motivated, you want to be moved, you're still like, gosh, in 2022, we had the first Supreme Court justice appointed to office. I mean, it's astounding, right? It really is astounding. 
we, um, and you think about it, uh, a Latina justice, and of course, it's phenomenal, it's brilliant, but we had a Latina justice before we had an African-American female justice, right? and we make up so much of a large other demographic of the United States of America. So it just exactly. puts, you, puts things into perspective, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I want to continue to open doors, and I always say, I want my head bloodied. I will continue to shatter those glass ceilings, those that come behind me don't have to do it. They can jump higher. I will continue to knock those hurdles over so that the people that come behind me don't have to do that. But um, my goal really is, my, my end goal, I think, for me is to be a um, Fortune, 500, Fortune 500 company CEO. And so right now there are two out of 500 companies, there are two um, Black females, and that is um, Rosalyn Brewer and um, Tashonda Duckett, right? That is really ridiculous. There are two. Um, and they were up until last year, there was one consistently consistently for the last couple of decades and at a, at a majority of the you know history of the country there were none so I know people talk about it a lot actually in corporate settings and I'll say oh we have two black female CEOs now and I'm like it's I guess usually what I say is <laughs> right. I, I, I guess <laughs> yeah right. you know we celebrating <laughs> right yes. let's we have more work to do and so my goal is to ultimately get there and to ensure right that that, that there is a revolving door that there is a continuous flow of, because there are high, the, the, the thing that frustrates me the most is that there are highly qualified women that should be there, but yes. they're just not, right? In all these different roles, they should be doing this, but they're just not. We're not afforded the opportunity. We're not afforded the, um, sometimes so we don't even know that the opportunity exists. Yes. Right. So really trying to figure out what is it that we can do to get more Black women. And that's why I will continue to be a sponsor, a partner, an advocate of Spelman because they do such a phenomenal job of ensuring that Black women continue to ascend. And I want to make sure that I do my part in making sure that we continue to build that pipeline. Mm, that's amazing. And you know what? You're right. Um, the fact that we are, I mentioned this on a podcast uh, several episodes ago, the fact that we are just celebrating the first, um, you know, and here it is, 2022. Um I don't know. I guess we should raise the flag. I don't know. Um, but you're right. It would be different if there weren't highly qualified individuals, but there are so there are more than enough right. highly qualified individuals and they're more <laughs> they're more qualified than some of the ones who are sitting in the seat. Um, so we we do have to do more. Um, you know, so Shawina, I know that there are some people out there who are, you know, trying to carve their path and they're feeling a little stagnant. Um, so if you had to give, you know, a piece of advice to someone who is feeling like they're carving their path and they're just feeling stagnant and they want to do, what should I do next? They know that they need to get their coach, their mentor, their sponsor, but you know, what tangible piece of advice could you give someone to know what should they do next in order to begin to really feel as if their path is beginning to evolve in front of them? Yeah, I would say, so depending on what, right, their aspirational field is, if it's medicine, if it's law. I would try to um, try to, you know, soak some of that up. I would try to open, you know, my lens to that. So I always find, and, and in most positions that I've had, I've had to self-teach, right? When I went to the commission, I didn't have that energy or utility experience. I literally taught myself public utility regulation and I made sure that I was going to be successful there. I went to conferences, I did webinars. And um, there's something for me that even on my rough days, um, it builds me up. It kind of gives me my strength. Um, a few years ago, almost probably more than a few years ago now, maybe like eight or so, but Michelle Obama was the um, commencement speaker for Spelman. And I was actually there. Um, And her speech literally 
empowered me in such a way that I just was blown away. And so I remember going back and like, you know, downloading the recording when it came out and literally on my worst days now still, and I swear it's like eight or nine years, I listen to it. I listen to, to segments of it, right? I listen to pieces of it and it builds me up. I would recommend that anyone who's kind of trying to find their way, they're feeling a little bit stuck. I would, I would highly recommend that they find a motivational podcast or somebody, basically what you need is you need a word. And you need something, and I'm not necessarily saying you have to go and, you know, download, you know, or, or listen to, you know, such and such church. You need something that's going to motivate you, that's going to pour into you, and that's going to give you that energy to say, you know what, I got this. It's going right. to build you up a little bit. And that's what I do. I have several, you know, podcasts on deck. I have books that I have that, and maybe, you know, I may sometimes don't even get the entire book. I have that segment that I read that, that pumps me up. And so I would recommend um, podcasts, motivational podcasts. I recommend finding someone who speaks to you, somebody that you admire. So if you're, um, you know, your person, your, I, I say, I have a dream uh, mentor. Her name is Rosalind Brewer, right? She's one of those two women I was telling you about, one of the Fortune 500 CEOs. She speaks all the time. She has a TEDx that I listen to frequently. I want to be where she is. Why wouldn't I listen to the words that she, that she speaks, right? On a, on a frequent occasion. So I would try to find whoever in that field, whoever is the pivotal person in the field in which you aspire to attain, I would find a key person and, and just get some words from them. And even though you don't know them personally, I promise you, it will uplift you, it will move you and it will empower you. You know, I think that that's great advice. Um, and just, you know what, I always say, th the reason why I say Fresh Start over and over again, because no matter where you are in your journey, no matter where you've been, really, you can start today. And honestly, you really do have a fresh start. And so the place of where you're trying to go, um, even if you feel like you've attained a lot, there's still so much more to attain. And I tell my students all of the time, there are thousands of careers out there. There are thousands of career options, even within a career path. So, you know, I think about uh, when I first uh, listened to a, a piece of your story um, and how you started out in law and here you are now, you know, doing something that is completely different from where you started. Um, so you have so many options and there are so many options in this world. So yes, I agree with you get motivated, get uplifted, and just really start doing it. And mm -hmm. so, Sharina, we are so inspired by your story. We are so uplifted. And we are really just so encouraged by some of the things that you shared with us today. So we appreciate you sharing this time with us, coming on the podcast today, just really helping our army to know that you really can carve your own path. And with God's help, honestly, anything is possible. And so you are a living testimony to that. And we believe that you are definitely going to be a Fortune 500 CEO. We know that with God's help, okay. you are definitely going to attain that. And we can't wait when that happens. Listen, we'll have you on the podcast along the way, but definitely when you have that uh, Fortune 500 seat, we'll be on TV. So we'll definitely have you on Absolutely. the show. Okay, <laughs> so we can't wait to see it. Listen, we hope that you have a great rest of your day. We're so excited. And before you go, we'd love to pray for you and for our army. God, we are so thankful for you. We're so thankful for Sharina. God, we're so thankful for all that you've done to help her carve her path of success because we know that, God, with your hand, that all things are possible. Help our army to know, God, that you have a path of purpose for all of us. And we know that with your hand, God, that we certainly can do it all because your word tells us that for you, Lord Jesus, in you, that we have a future and that we have a hope. And so, God, we're thankful to you that today we also have a fresh start. God, we're so thankful to you. Sharina, we're so thankful.
thankful to you. And Army, of course, we're always thankful to you. We'll make sure that you catch, catch us next week, same day, same time. And remember, have a fresh start summer. Thanks so much for tuning in to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. We are just getting started. So make sure to connect with me on social at AS Davenport and at Fresh Start Fridays. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.ascministries.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and be a part of April's Army. Remember, anytime is a good time to confess the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, live by your own personal convictions, and it's always a great time to have a good conversation. I'm your girl, April Davenport. See you next time.